For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. What a talented church we have. dress up as an elf, <laughs> I've got to be honest, um, and uh, it just reminded me of, um, uh, you know, in, in, in family, if you're, if you're part of a family, you, you have those occasions where you get together and you're, you're going to celebrate together, and um, the issue isn't about, um, it, it's really about what happens together, it's not about whether the performance is, is, is excellent, it's just about the performance, and it's about coming together and doing stuff. And it reminded me of when we as a family, we've done occasional things together. The girls, as we grew up, the girls used to do performances like we had here. They used to do them at home, dances together. They probably don't want me to remind them of those. And, uh, but they did. They used to dance. They used to go up to their room and practice, and then they would perform to their parents. Um, and we would cheer. And uh, I remember every time we, um, in our old house, we used to, we used to decorate a bedroom. We would then go and have a bit of a family dance in the bedroom. And you do those things. And, uh, and our Christmas uh, family service is about the family. It's about us coming together as, as family. It's about us celebrating together. It's about us being joyful together. It's about us remembering what God has done together as a family. And there's, there's real strength in that. And, and for some of these uh, children, they... For you and I, it might be, oh, I've seen this before, but they'll remember these days. They'll look back and they'll go, oh, I remember when at church we used to do those family things together. And it's not about whether or not it's perfect. It's, it's literally about doing it. And so uh, I just want to commend our, our children, our, our children's workers for, for that. And why don't we give them a round of applause? It's just... I loved the song. Maybe we should sing the song uh, that they... That they that they wrote, I thought that was absolutely brilliant. And so, um, as you know, we've been, we've been just looking at the miracles of Christmas, and last week we looked at the miracle of, of peace, the fact that Jesus came and he brought, he brought peace, he was the Prince of Peace, he inaugurated a new kingdom, which was a, a kingdom of peace, and this week we're looking at joy, and you've had those two passages that were read, and I just want to say a few words about those uh, two passages that were read around uh, Mary and Elizabeth meeting, and then Mary singing her song. And uh, just really, really quickly, uh, just a little bit of background to that passage that was read. Elizabeth had been barren. She was an older woman, hadn't had any children. And then she had heard that she was going to have a son. Her husband had been told and um, that that son was going to be a joy and a delight. He, he's John the Baptist, by the way. Um, 
And it talked about many will rejoice at his birth. And she had that news. She got pregnant. And she's at home, living at home uh, now, pregnant. And then Mary, as we heard, uh, was a virgin. And she never had children. Um, and she was told that she would have a son um, by the Holy Spirit. And uh, that was going to be quite a difficult thing. And, and she asked the question, how will this be? And, uh, and through Gabriel, God explains that the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and you will have a son. And it's interesting, her response to, to that thing, which was quite a, a massive thing for her to hear, was to trust and to accept her faith. That's what, that's what she did. She said, may it be to me as you have said. She's told by the Spirit. And then she's also told by the Spirit that her relative Elizabeth is also going to have a child and that she's already pregnant. And so you've got these two women in two very different situations who are now about to give birth in the next few months to children. And we've had a number of children born into the family of Beacon. There's one here today who's, I don't know, how old's Orla? Ten days? Something like that. And so... And uh, Gunther's gone off with uh, Emily, who's a very small baby. So we've had loads of babies born into uh, the church. And these two women were to have babies, both of which were unexpected. One because she was older, had never had children, wasn't expecting it. The other because she was a virgin, wasn't expecting to have a child. And all the implications of that in that culture. Elizabeth responds with gratitude to the fact that she's having a baby. The Lord has done this for me. He's shown me favour and he's taken away my disgrace. There would have been a sense of disgrace because she was barren. Having children in those days would have been a very important part of being a, being a wife and being a, a woman. Mary responds with trust and acceptance. Despite all the practical and cultural implications of her having a baby as a virgin. And I don't think we can even begin to understand what that would have been like in those days. Joseph wanted to divorce her because she was pregnant. He thought that she must have slept with someone else and that would have brought shame on him and shame on her. And so he wanted to pass it by um, because the implications were massive. And yet Mary's response was, I'm the Lord's servant, may it be to me as you have said. Massive implications for what had happened. And so I've just got a couple of points on um, how does a situation like that lead to joy? How, does it, how do we actually get from a situation where Mary's having to struggle with this reality and Elizabeth struggling with this reality to joy, to a place of joy? Well, the first thing is this. Joy is something to be shared. It's very difficult to be joyful completely on your own. And it was, it was God's grace to Mary that he said, go to your relative or your relative Elizabeth is also having a baby. So Mary goes to Elizabeth she talks to Elizabeth. They become aware of what's happened to one another. And because of that, they can share their joy. And there's no questioning about how on earth are you going to cope? Those aren't the questions. They actually have a conversation. And uh, if Mary didn't have Elizabeth to go to to share her situation, what would she have done? Knowing what had happened to her, what would she have done on her own? Elizabeth now is not simply grateful to God that she is having a son, but she's filled with the Holy Spirit. So is her baby, and that was told to her husband. And also, she's amazed. She's amazed that the mother of our Lord, she says, has come to her. She's amazed that God would even use her in this way. She's grateful, and she's amazed. She recognises 
this situation. And what does she say? What does she say to Mary? She says these these words. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. So we're talking about this early story, the story of Jesus coming. But part of it comes out of this, that Mary believed. Mary believed against all the odds, despite the situation, Mary believed that what God said would happen to her, despite the fact that it would not have looked great, she believed him. And I think there's something in there for us. Because so often we can be so caught up with the logistical, practical, cultural implications of something that we can sometimes not believe God. We cannot believe him. We cannot believe he can change situations. We cannot believe he can do mighty things in, our, in, in the midst of us. Because of the practical, our first question is, well, how? What? How? Why? When? Those are our questions. Whereas Mary comes to that place where she settles in her heart. She says, may it be to me, as you've said. May it be to me, as you have said. That's quite a massive thing for her to say. And she's a young woman at this point. Secondly, so joy needs to be shared and and Mary's able to share it with Elizabeth. You need to share your joy with somebody. Don't think you can have joy on your own. You need to share your joy with somebody. Secondly, joy needs to be expressed. So Mary's response, initial response to what she hears is of quiet but firm trust in God. Yeah? She, She quietly but firmly trusts in God. But that quickly turns to joy when she meets Elizabeth And she realises what's happening and then she sings that song, My soul glorifies the Lord. Her righteous and pure heart, it comes out in a song. And her song, it takes on two forms. First of all, it's personal. She's thanking God for what he's done for her. I thank you, my soul glorifies, because you have done great things for me. She's thanking God for what he's done for her. But also... That song displays a rich and deep knowledge of the people of Israel and the promises made to them, which is one of the reasons why it's really good at Christmas to to get the children involved and to get them understanding the story, because that's the story that will fuel them as they get older. That's the story that will help them when decisions they make in their lives. And Mary says this as part of her song, his mercy extends to those who fear him. That takes understanding. She's been taught that. His mercy extends to those who fear him. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever. Mary is a virgin. She's probably a teenager. And yet in terms of her understanding of the story, she has a really good grasp of the story. And we need to do whatever we can to teach our children the story. They need to know the story because it won't be enough just going to meetings and stuff. In the end, they need to know, oh no, God is real. God can be experienced. God has promised things. God has fulfilled his promise through Jesus. When we come to Christmas, it's not just about celebrating. It's about recognizing and remembering what God has done for us. And that's where the joy comes. So joy is expressed, and with Mary it was expressed in a song, and we expressed it in Beacon's Got Talent and various other ways. And then, finally, joy is for the world. What occurred here in this small and obscure area of Palestine, because that's what it is, at the beginning of the first century, is not only the most amazing story, it's also an example. It is an amazing story, but it's also an example to us. 
And it's an example in this way, and this might sound a bit controversial, although it's not meant to be. We are more like Mary than we are Jesus. Yeah? We're more like Mary than we are Jesus. Jesus was the incarnate Son of God who had come. Mary was an ordinary person who God was using. And her ability to be able to take on that which God was doing was actually a key part of the story. It remains true that what was promised to Mary happened. She was told, you'll give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus and he will be given the throne of David and he will reign forever. His kingdom will never end. That there would come a point where Jesus was going to be reigning on the throne. And we know about that story a little bit because that's what we've been talking about all the way through Genesis. There's this promise that one day somebody would sit on the throne and that God would choose a people and through that people he would bless the world. That was always... That was always the point. It was always joy for the world. So one of the characteristics of this new kingdom that Jesus inaugurated is joy. Joy to the world. That joy is not just about being happy, although, hey, it would be great if it is that. It's not just about some sort of superficial feeling. It's not, it's not just about those things. That joy is the knowledge that despite circumstances and situations that we find ourselves in, and despite them at times appearing contrary to what God has and, and wants to do, that he will fulfill his purposes and his promises through his people. And that for whatever reason, we don't know, God has chosen you and me to be part of it. That should bring joy. That alone should bring joy that actually there comes a point now where we can have a relationship with the living God, not because of anything we have done. Because you can't do it yourself. I can't do it myself. I can't make myself Christian. I can't make myself joyful. That's something that only God has done. Secondly, if we are able to view this as it's intended, that Mary is an ordinary, humble young woman who trusted when God spoke, will we do the same? Will we trust? When God speaks to us, will I trust? Will I say, as Mary said, may it be to me as you've said? Or will I say, what would that be like? How would that work? What will I do? How would that happen? What will I do about this? What will I do about that? Will I trust? So it's joy for the world. And then we see the joyful response of both Elizabeth and Mary, Elizabeth's response of gratitude and amazement. Gratitude that God would uh, give her a child. Amazement that she would become, um, if you like, the, the, the relative and the, um, if you like, she, has, she gives birth to the forerunner, to the Lord, the Son of God. She was grateful that she had been favoured in such a way. Are we grateful? Are we amazed? Am I grateful that God has chosen me? Am I amazed that he uses me? Are you grateful? Are you amazed at what God has done for you? What God is done, doing through his church? You see, Elizabeth did not rob Mary of her faith. Mary had faith. And, and Elizabeth, in fact, she affirms the faith by saying, you know, blessed are you because you've believed the promise. You've believed the promise. Don't rob others of faith. Encourage their faith. Affirm their faith. Where people express faith, affirm it. Don't rob people of it by saying, how will you do that? What would that look like? How will that work? 
Mary's response of trust in the, the promise, despite practical, cultural and social challenges, sharing and expressing her joy. That should be how we respond. Trust in the promise. Even though it doesn't make sense, rather than rationalise things away through fear, we believe by faith. We must simply trust. Yesterday, um, uh, Pauline and I, with Thierry and Emma, we went to the X Factor final up at Wembley Arena. And uh, it was great because we had priority tickets, which meant we didn't have to queue. And that just felt really special, actually, because there were thousands of people there, and there was us, and we queued, like, for five minutes. And we met a girl who'd queued for five hours in order, to, or in order to be on the standby list, in order to be able to get her ticket. Anyway, we get in there, and uh, I found it really interesting. It was an interesting experience, because you often hear people talk about, um, you know, in church, you talk about, oh, you know, people outside of church, they don't like to, they don't understand worship, they don't like to sing, they don't like to do things. Let me tell you, X Factor reminded me of church. It reminded me of church because this is what people do at X Factor final, or maybe any X Factor. They clap their hands, they dance and they sing, and they lift their hands like this, and they close their eyes and they sing songs. That's what they do at X Factor. Yeah? There was a man, there was a man next to me, he's like this, singing along to the killers. I don't know the song, but he's singing along to the killers, or singing along to whoever it was, and I just thought to myself, my goodness, this is interesting. You know, they're just worshipping something different. They're still worshipping. They're just worshipping something different. And I thought to myself, we mustn't be ashamed of worship. We mustn't be ashamed of what the church does. It's not actually about how excellent it is, because obviously the X factor is, is brilliant in terms of its performance. But they're not worshipping God. It's not much below the surface. It isn't. Uh, it, it, was, it was a great experience. But they're not worshipping the living God. Their joy doesn't come out of knowing that God has with them, that God has called them. And yet that's exactly where I, our joy comes from. He is with us and he has called us. And we mustn't forget that, church. We mustn't forget that. We mustn't get to the point where church becomes such a familiar thing that we forget. God has called me. God has used me. Of all the peoples in the earth, for whatever reason, I don't know, he has called me. He's called you. And you can look around and think about people you know who God, it, it, who maybe once upon a time they were here and now they're not here. And all you, one of your responses to that must just be gratitude that God has still called you, and that you're still here and you're responding to him. Let's never lose that sense the moment we become familiar with it, the moment church becomes just a thing that we do, we miss something. So it's wonderful to celebrate together, to, to, to have joy together. But let's always remember that joy, real joy, deep joy, it comes from him. It comes from being part of what he's doing. It comes from knowing God. Mary had joy despite the fact that she was about to become a, a parent and it didn't make any sense. And yet she is joyful. That joy does not come from circumstances. It comes from something much deeper. And it's my prayer that that's where our joy will come from, as a church together, as a family together. Okay, I think we're going to... I'm going to hand that back to Bill. It feels like the X Factor, handing back to Bill. <laughs> so, thank you, everybody.